name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, let's open our Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, to Romans, the 13th chapter. You know, we've been on the theme this year since we turned over into January on revival. You know, revival is for the Christian. Evangelism is for the sinner. You know, revival is for the Christian. Evangelism is for the sinner. Um, You know, sinners are dead spiritually and they need to be evangelized, preach the gospel and receive Jesus, get born again. And their spirit becomes alive unto God. You're going to miss hell, make heaven, you know. But Christians need to, from time to time, need to be revived. And the reason is, is that it's so easy for Christians to go to sleep spiritually. Uh, One of the greatest dangers that you face as a Christian, we see it throughout the Word of God, is is going to sleep spiritually. Going to sleep spiritually. And that's why Christians need to be revived. Uh, You know, I think back into the past. I've been studying for the heroes of faith. I've been teaching that on the last several Wednesday nights. We're concluding this next Wednesday. And uh, you've seen it over the centuries of time, how Christians have gone to sleep spiritually. Um, Actually, there was two great awakenings. One was back, I guess it was in the late 18th or mid-18th century. And that first great awakening was to revive Christians, to wake them up. Because they, you know, we'd come out of, in the 16th century, the Reformation and there was a, a, a great time of people getting the word of God and, and, and getting born again and coming out of dead, dry religion in the dark ages. But then it wasn't too long after that. You've got to be watchful. You, you need to listen to what I'm saying here today. One of the greatest dangers you face as a Christian is going to sleep spiritually. Now, how many of you know natural sleep? There's a blessing in natural sleep. God gives His beloved sleep. There, there's a natu- there's a there's a, a blessing in sleeping. How many like to sleep besides me? I mean, it's, it's good. But you know, you can sleep too much, just like you can eat too much. Is that right? Or drink too much, or whatever you know. You can sleep too much, and then and then you really have to be watchful when when it gets over into the area of spiritual sleep. But that first great awakening was to revive Christians. To wake them up out of spiritual sleep. And then that second great awakening, which came about 50 years later, had to do with evangelizing sinners and, and getting them saved. You know, uh, you need the Christians awake and flowing with the Holy Spirit before you'll be able to really reach the sinners effectively. And so I want to talk to you today about spiritual sleep, the dangers of it, and uh, try to recognize if you've fallen asleep spiritually and then... Wake yourself up out of it. Notice in Romans, the 13th chapter and the 11th verse, the Apostle Paul. Now, this goes back into the days of the early church. He's writing to the Romans. And uh, Paul dealt with this 2,000 years ago. We, We need to be aware of this. You need to really listen carefully today. Romans 13, verse 11 New King James Version. He says this, and, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to what? To awake out of sleep. He's talking to Christians here. He's not talking about natural sleep. He says it's high time to awake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So Paul is telling the Christians at Rome, to awake out of sleep. And then if you look at Ephesians, the fifth chapter, Paul says basically the exact same thing to the church at Ephesus. See, there's, there's a problem with this. We, we, need to, we need to be aware of it so that we don't go to sleep spiritually. He says in Ephesians 5, 14, he says, he says therefore he says, this, this is Paul Speaking to the church at Ephesus, says, Awake, you who what? Sleep. Arise from the dead, 
And Christ will give you light. What does it mean? Arise from the dead. Think about it. If you walked into a room and there were, let's, let's just say you walked into the room and there was 50 people in the room. And let's just say that half of them were dead and half of them were sleeping. And you weren't close enough to be able to tell if there's breathing or not. But you just looked and you saw 50 people in the room. Half of them were dead and half of them were sleeping. You really wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two, would you? Would you? You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And you see, what Paul is saying here is that this church here in Ephesus, apparently they had gone to sleep, or some of them had gone to sleep spiritually. And when a Christian goes to sleep spiritually, you can't tell the difference between them and a sinner. You really can't tell the difference because a a Christian that is asleep spiritually acts much like sinners. You can't tell the difference. The only difference is is that one's going to heaven and one's going to hell. But other than that, when a Christian goes to sleep spiritually, they will tend to act much like sinners. You can't tell the difference. Did you get what I just said? Just like you can't tell the difference in a room of 50 people, half of them are dead, half of them are sleeping. You can't really tell the difference. Same thing with spiritual sleep. When a Christian goes to sleep spiritually, they'll start acting like the world, etc., so on and so forth. And Paul said, hey, awake, you who sleep. You know... Have you ever heard the term being asleep at the switch or they were asleep at the switch? Has anybody ever heard that term? You know that that's cost many people their lives. I know there was a recent train accident lately back several months or now maybe it's been a year or so back. If I'm not mistaken, I think the cause of it was is that the engineer was asleep at the switch, fell asleep at the switch And things got out of control. There was an accident. Many people lost their lives. It's a dangerous thing when someone goes to sleep at the switch. How many of you, when you're landing in a jet, when you're landing, now when you're up there flying up way high, you know, autopilot. I don't want the autopilot to go to sleep. (laughs) But when you're landing, you know, the pilots tend to take over. How many of you want your pilot going to sleep at the switch when you're when he's landing the plane? You know, you don't want that. I don't want that. It can cost people their lives when folks are asleep at the switch. And, you know, I want to say this. The church in the United States, for the most part, has been asleep at the switch. Did you hear me? Has been asleep at the switch. Let me just... Say this, Reverend Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, told the Christian Broadcasting Network that in the 2012 presidential election, the majority of Christians didn't vote. And then he quoted, I'm going to read a quote from him. He said from Franklin Graham, we know that from... That from the uh, statistics that that I've heard, that the majority of Christians in this country just did not vote for whatever reason. The vast majority of evangelicals did not go to the polls. God is in control, and if Christians are upset, they need to be upset with themselves. We need to do a better job of getting Christians to vote. Now, I'm not trying to tell you how to vote But vote, my goodness, and vote for candidates that stand for biblical values. And I and I say amen to that. But the majority of Christians didn't even vote. Folks, that's being asleep at the switch. And I've said this for years and I've dealt with this for the last many, many years. A lot of times Christians want to pray for the upcoming election. But those very Christians that pray are not even registered to vote. The Bible says faith without corresponding action is what? It's dead. So if you're not registered to vote, if you're not going to vote, it disqualifies you, I believe, from your prayers being effective. Did you hear me? Because all you're doing is praying in dead with dead faith. If you're not registered, go get registered and vote. If you're voting age and vote the word of God. You hear me? Don't be asleep at the switch. Now, 
you need to realize that while the church has been spiritually sleeping, the devil has been at work. Especially in the political arena. Notice Matthew 13 verse 24. While the church has been spiritually sleeping, the devil has been at work. Especially in the political arena. It's one of the main reasons our country is in the horrible shape it's in right now. Is because the church has been asleep at the switch. And look at what Jesus, the Lord, said. Look what he said. Matthew 13, verse 24. He said, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men, what? Slept, his enemy came and sowed tares, or weeds, among the wheat. Do you see what happens while the church is sleeping? When the church is sleeping, the devil is Sowing weeds, isn't he? You need to be aware of the dangers of spiritual sleep. Because while the church is sleeping, the devil is working, sowing weeds. The Bible talks about different kinds of sleep. I I can't get into all of them this morning. It would take too long. But just a couple of different kinds. Of when I say, I mean, different things you need to be aware of. Look at Acts, the 20th chapter. I want to talk about the sleep of Eutychus. The sleep of Eutychus, this man named Eutychus. Let's look at the sleep of Eutychus. Acts 20, verse 7. New King James Version here. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Acts 20, verse 7. The sleep of Eutychus. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, this was... Sunday, they came together to have a church service. Paul, the Apostle Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. He preached on fairly long, I suppose. I won't preach till midnight, I promise you that. Now, I will say this. If the Apostle Paul was standing here preaching, I would sit till midnight to hear what he had to say. And I'd be hanging on every word. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. And I know this was a natural sleep that he had fallen into, but I want to look at the spiritual side of it. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, now let me ask you this. Is Eutychus missing, at this point, what Paul is saying? And you know there's many people that attend church and they sit and they they hear, they're hearing the messages, but they're in a spiritual sleep and they're really not hearing what the Holy Ghost is saying to them through the Word of God. Did you know that? I know that for sure. I've dealt with it for the last 30 plus years. There's a difference between hearing something and then really listening to what's being said. The sleep of Eutychus is when you attend church, you come to church. That's good. That's wonderful. I commend you for it. But not really paying attention to what's being said. Notice he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embraced him, and said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him, and raised him from the dead, and so on. Well, if you're going to fall asleep or die in church, you, you want to be sure you've got a real man of God there. <laughs> you okay? But the sleep of Eutychus, you're there, you're in the service, you come. Hey, Eutychus was there, he was in church to be commended for that. Service running long, he stayed commending him and all of that. But do you see he was missing out on some things that the Spirit of God had to say to him? Don't fall into that kind of sleep. You know, as I was studying for this message, I ran across uh, some, some things that one person put forth. Are you sleeping spiritually? Posing this to Christians. 
10 questions. I'll just run through them. You give yourself, how many when you were in school, you ever had the back of a section or whatever, there was a self-test, and you do the self-test in the book. Did you like those self-tests? Here's a little self-test. To see if you're spiritually sleeping, you test yourself. Do, do things like leisure, sports, recreation, and entertainment take up more of your time than reading the Bible and prayer? Are you content with the spiritual knowledge you have, or are you hungry for more? See, if you're content with where you're at spiritually, and you're not hungry for more, you've fallen asleep spiritually. If it, Nothing wrong with leisure, sports, recreation, entertainment, but if that's taking up more of your time than, than, than the Bible and prayer, you've fallen asleep spiritually. Third one. Are you applying the message you hear, the messages you hear at church to your everyday life? Or do you just sit, get through the service, and then that's next, you don't, you don't open your Bible, you don't think about what was said until the following Sunday? If so, you're sleeping spiritually. Are you more concerned about material things than spiritual things? If so, you've, you've gone to sleep spiritually. Are you delighted and excited about going to church? The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. If you've lost that within you, that gladness, let's, man, let's go to church. If you've lost that excitement, you're, you're, you're asleep spiritually. Does Jesus embarrass you? In other words, when you're sitting there, anybody ever been sitting at a stoplight and, and, and it's summertime and you got your windows open and you're, you're playing the gospel song and then somebody pulls up side of you with, with, with their windows open and, and you're real quick to go turn the... Okay, she says she turns it up louder. Well, she's a lot. She's, a, she's, a, she's wide awake spiritually. But if you're quick to want to turn it down, or maybe you're sitting at a restaurant and it's time to pray over the food and you... Now I'm not saying you ought to stand up and scream your prayer out, but if you pray so that you don't want anybody else to hear that you say in the name of Jesus, you know, then if, if you're embarrassed by that, you sleep spiritually. Can you sin without it bothering you? If you can, you're asleep spiritually. Listen to this. Do you avoid spiritual duties and commitments with only the slightest excuse? Do you avoid spiritual duties and commitments with only the slightest excuse? You know, some, you know, things happen. Things come up and you can't always be at church. You can't always fulfill your, you know, what you volunteered to do or whatever, whatever the case, because things do happen. But at the slightest, you know, the, the wind changed direction. So, you know. Do you give Jesus only that which is easy and convenient for you to give? Do you enjoy messages from the pulpit that challenge you or do you only want to hear easy, wonderful, convenient things? Do you try to share Jesus with sinners whenever possible? I don't want to sleep the sleep of Eutychus, do you? And then the next kind of sleep I want to talk about is the sleep of Jonah. Let's go to Jonah, the first chapter and the fifth verse. That's over in the Old Testament. Again, if you don't have a Bible with you, we'll have it on the screen. I do encourage you to bring your Bibles with you if you can or if you have them on your phone or whatever. Because it's important to, you know, we've been studying on Wednesday nights. Men bled and died to get you that Bible into your hands. Did you hear me? I mean, and 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 you, you. I mean, men went through such such awesome things and such persecution. What was that you said to me this morning? That almost every person that has done great things for Jesus has been rejected by the traditional church. Isn't that something? And Wycliffe and and. Tyndale and these guys who gave gave their lives so that you can have that Bible in your in your in your possession. I'm so glad for those guys. Amen. Jonah, the first chapter in the 
fifth verse, New King James Version. Now, of course, Jonah, remember the word of God came to him and said, Arise, go to Nineveh and preach the message that I give you. Remember that? Nineveh was a bad place. Nineveh was like uh, Nazi Germany. It's a bad place. Nineveh was a bad place. You need to realize that. But you know, God is full of love and mercy and compassion and he loves everybody. You need to realize that. And of course, Jonah did not want to go. And as the story goes, Jonah went the exact opposite way that God told him to go. And he boarded the ship and the ship got out on the sea headed away from what the order of God was. And, of course, the storm came up and the waves were raging and Jonah was down in the lowest part of the ship. Notice here in verse 5, Then the mariners were afraid, because of the great storm going on, and... Every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and lain down and was what? He was fast asleep. I've noticed this over the years when people get out of the will of God, they tend to want to sleep Physically sleep more than they should. Would you say he's out of the will of God here? I'll I'll just say this. How many has ever heard of King David? And, and, And you know one of the reasons he got into adultery and he messed up? Is because... He wasn't supposed to be there when Bathsheba was was taking the bath. If you read the Bible, David was supposed to be out. It said it was a time when kings went out to war. And he didn't go out to war like he was supposed to. So thus he was at his castle. And if you read the story, you'll see he was sleeping. And he woke up, got out of his bed, and went over and looked out the window, and it caused him all sorts of trouble, didn't it? And you see here with Jonah, he was supposed to be headed to Nineveh, but here he's headed to Tarshish the exact opposite way, and he's gone down into the ship, and he's fast asleep. The sleep of Jonah. So the captain came to him. And said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want sinners to have to come and wake me up spiritually. How about you? I don't want to, I don't want the world to have to tell me to wake up. The sleep of Jonah is the sleep of one who has not obeyed their assignment from God. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you disobeyed your assignment from God? Now, if you're sitting there, and I don't say this to put condemnation on you. I'm I'm trying to help you here today. But if you don't know what your assignment from God is, you really need to wake up. Because God has an assignment for everybody. Did you hear what I just said? And so if you, if you, if I, if somebody asks you, what is your assignment from God? And you go, oh, I don't know. Oh, you, you're sound. You need to wake up, dear friends. And if you know what your assignment is, are you doing it? And if you're not, let me, by the Spirit of God, say, hey, wake up. Say to you what Paul said to the Romans, what he said to the Ephesians, and what these mariners said to Jonah. Wake up. Find out what it is. And then do it. You see, Jonah was AWOL. Has anybody ever heard of AWOL? A-W-O-L? Absent without official leave. 
It's when a soldier in the army is given an order and they do not want to obey it. So they go what is called AWOL, absent without official leave. And I think the church has been, so, so much of the church has been AWOL. Especially here in the United States, we've been, we've been absent without official leave. We need to get back to our post. I said we need to get back to our post. So we need to get back to our post. One of the greatest compliments, and, and if you know me, you know I don't go around here accolading myself. But, but, but one of the greatest compliments Diane and I ever got is when Joyce Meyer, anybody ever heard of Joyce Meyer? And I, and I don't believe in name dropping. I don't, I don't like doing that. But, but sometimes you have to say some things. And she sent one of her top assistants over here some years back and commended Diane and I for standing our post. And you know, that was one of the greatest compliments that we ever received. The only thing that would be better is when we hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. What is your post? What has God told you to do? And are you standing your post faithfully? And if you haven't been, repent, get back to it. Just repent, get back to it. Not here today to beat you up. Just get back to it. Say get back to it. Just get back to it. And Jesus will forgive you that quick and you just get right back to it. I mean, Jonah woke up. They threw him in the sea. The fish swallowed him. And uh, eventually he prayed. The fish spit him back out onto the ground. The word of the Lord came to him a second time, didn't it? Saying the exact same thing. Is God a God of the second chance? Yes, he is. And third chance and fourth chance. As long as you've got breath in your body, you can repent. Don't sleep the sleep of Jonah. Don't be AWOL. And then finally, the sleep of Samson. Go to Judges, the 16th chapter. The sleep of Samson. Anybody ever hear of Samson? He's a strong man of the Bible. You know, his hair grew long. And he was, his parents were commanded to never let his hair be cut or drink strong drink or touch a corpse, the call of the Nazarite, Nazarite vow. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord, you need to realize that the strength was not in his hair. The strength was that the Spirit of the Lord would come on him and make him strong. But his hair needed to be in place for that to happen. And uh, you can look at Samson. Samson was not a perfect individual by any stretch, but neither am I. How about you? But God can still use us even though we're not perfect. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that wonderful to know? And Samson had some issues. He had some, some, some difficulties. But he got eventually mixed up with this woman, Delilah. And uh, she tried to find out the secret of his strength. And he didn't tell her the truth. And she was trying to get the secret of his strength. And listen carefully. Now hang on every word here. Listen to this. Look at Judges 16 verse 19. Judges 16 verse 19. New King James Version. Then she. What's that next word? Lulled. Lulled. Real loud say lulled. She lulled him to sleep on her knees. And I think that's where so much of the church has been over the last many years here in the United States is, is we've had our head asleep on the knees of the world and the world's been lulling us to sleep. Lulling us to sleep. The world will do that to you. Lull you to sleep. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things. Listening to sermons that only preach positive things and never messages of repentance. And that will have an effect on the church and in time the church laying its head on the lap of the world like Samson laid his head on the lap of Delilah, and she lulled him to sleep. 
Have you been lulled to sleep? I'm going slow because I want you to think. Has the world lulled you to sleep? Has something lulled you to sleep spiritually? She lulled this man with such power and such strength. Who just pulled the, pulled the, the gates off of that. What there in Gezi just pulled those gates off. And I, mean, I mean, he just killed Philistines and just, just ripped lions to shred when the power of God came on him. But now he's got his head on the lap with the secret of his strength on the lap of the world, at the lap of Delilah, and she's singing him lullabies, lulling him to sleep. Because see, he had eventually told her the secret of his strength. If you shave off my hair, my strength will leave me. And she lulls him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. You'll see why in a moment. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his what? From his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. That's one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible right there. He had become so carnal. Remember we talked to you about a while ago about when a, when a, a Christian goes to sleep spiritually. You can't tell the difference between them and a sinner. Samson had gone so to sleep spiritually. He had become so desensitized to the, to the Spirit of God that the Spirit of God left him and he didn't even... Realize it. Now they didn't have the Spirit of God on them in the Old Testament like we have in the New Testament. Now in the New Testament here after the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He's on the inside of us. He won't leave us or forsake us. Can you say amen? But in the Old Testament he was the Holy Ghost wasn't inside of them but he'd come on them. And, and, and if they got into sin and persisted in it, they, they, he, he'd eventually leave. Remember, how many remembers King Saul and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him? But eventually, because of his persistent disobedience to God, that the Spirit of God left him. Remember that? How many remembers that? And David cried out later after he sinned. He said, Lord, he said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. See, don't, don't let the Holy Spirit lift off me. Like, because he saw it lift off Saul. And he saw that when the Spirit of God lifted off of Saul, the devil came in and tormented him. David didn't want that. And you see the Spirit of God left Samson. And he didn't even know it. That's a dangerous place to be in. And I think that so much of the church world here in the United States, that, 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 that we've become so, so uh, uh, lulled to sleep by worldly things that... We don't, we're not, we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Don't even realize a lot of times that Holy, the Holy Spirit isn't in, in church services anymore. I mean, when you look at a church service, you ought to be able to tell the difference between that and, 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 and a nightclub. Can anybody say amen to that? A church shouldn't look like a nightclub. A church should, one of the greatest compliments I ever got was some years ago, I had some young people walk in this church and they said to me, they said, whoo, when we come in here, it's, it's different. It's not, it's different. Well, it ought to be different. You've come into the house of God where the Holy Ghost is flowing and the Word of God is taught. Can you say amen? Shouldn't be like walking in Walmart when you come in the house of God. Do you hear me? Power in the house of God. You've come into a holy place. You hear me? Spirit of God left him. He's asleep. Didn't even realize it. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Gouged out his eyes. And brought him down to Gaza where the power of God had once been on him. Now he's in Gaza and they bound him with bronze chains and he became a grinder in the prison. See, that's what happens if you stay asleep spiritually long enough. The devil is going to come in and take advantage over you and, and bind you up somehow or another. And you'll be grinding in his prison. 
I tell you what, I don't want to be a grinder here in the prison, uh, in a prison here in the United States when we ought to be free and be, and, and, and be, and be able to, to, to flow in the Spirit of God and, and, and live in a nation that's one of the greatest nations, the greatest nation other than Israel, I think, that you have of all time. But can't you see what the devil has been doing to this nation? Can't you see it? Can anybody see it? And I'll tell you what, if the Christians don't rise up and do something soon, uh, we're going to be... We're going to be grinding more at the devil's prison right here in the, in the freest nation that we've ever known. We're going to be grinding at the devil's prison uh, uh, just like Samson was. I don't want that for you army. Did you hear me? Did you get what I just said? Do you realize what is at stake here in this I don't mean just in this next election. There's, that, that's enough at stake right there. But I'm talking about just generally as we move forward. The church needs to rise up and take a stand. I said the church needs to rise up and take a stand. If the church would just rise up and vote the word of God, we could control this nation for God. And before any of those, I'm telling you now, before any of those politicians made a move, they would consult the church To see what it is God is saying. To see what it is He's saying through His Word. And and that's how it ought to be. Before they ever make a move, they ought to be consulting not just one man or one person, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, who should be preaching the Word of God. And all the politicians should have to do is listen to the pulpits of America as they thunder the the, the preaching of the Word of God. And, And if we rise up with our vote, before they ever made a move, they'd consult that. Did you hear what I just said? But I watch people and they'll sit and they'll... I'm talking Christians. And when I say stuff like that, I'm not saying anybody just did that. I've been watching it for 30 years. When when, when is he he going to get done preaching? So we can go get lunch. Okay. Just keep that up and you see where we're at right now. And if we don't do something, it's going to get worse. And worse and worse and worse. Did you hear what I just said? Serious stuff. I want this nation to stay free. I said, I want this. I guess there's only two people that want this nation to stay free besides me. I said, I want the nation to stay free. I gotta knock some sleep off of you people. Do you know something that, that, that I've learned is that as far as waking somebody up, I can't pray you awake. I can't even ultimately preach you awake. The only thing I can do is what Paul did is tell you to wake up. But you've got to do some things for yourself. You've got to shake yourself out of that spiritual sleep. And wake yourself up. Stir The Bible said stir up the gift of God that's within you. And so his eyes were put out. He went down to Gaza. He's bound with chains. He's a grinder in the prison. But then we just had one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Now we've got one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Verse 22. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. One of the greatest verses in the Bible right there. The hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. The hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Isn't it good to know that after we've missed it, we can repent and get back on track? Isn't that good to know that? And the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. You see, the sleep of Samson is so much power... But yet he allowed the world to lull him to sleep. And all that power lay dormant. All that power lay dormant. And then he lost it. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. 
And thank God it did grow again. And after it had grown again, remember they brought him out to perform for the Philistines, remember? Somebody said, well, what kind of a performance did he do? Did he sing? Did he dance? I don't know. But he was out there performing for the Philistines. And remember what Samson said? He said, put my, put my arms on these pillars. Remember that? How many remembers that? And he said, Lord, he said, just once, let the, let, one more time, let the power come back on me. And how many of you know the power came back on him? The Spirit of God came back on him because he didn't have enough natural strength to push those pillars down. But the Spirit of God who had left him came back. Real loud say came back. That came back on him. Praise God. And the power of God came back on him. And he pushed those pillars over. The hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. The power of God came back on him. And that sleeping giant rose back up Japanese Admiral Yamamoto after the attack on Pearl Harbor by the forces of Imperial Japan said this and this was the interpretation he said it in Japanese this is the interpretation I fear After they attacked Pearl Harbor, listen to what he said. I fear all we have done is to awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. He was speaking of the United States. He said, I fear all we've done is awaken a sleeping giant. And I pray God that the church, which is a giant... Powerful. With the keys of hell and of death that Jesus got back when he was raised from the dead. With all authority that Jesus has, he gave to the church. But we've been asleep at the switch. So many sleeping the sleep of Eutychus. So many sleeping the sleep of Jonah. So many sleeping the sleep of Samson. A giant... Asleep at the switch, I pray God that the church, me, you, and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would awake out of this sleep that we've been in. And I pray God that a spiritual giant has been and is being awakened and that we would rise up and come back to our post and be all that we're supposed to be and take this nation back and let it be a nation of righteousness once again. Let's not wait until the devil further attacks us, the church, to awaken out of a spiritual slumber. Can you say amen? You talk about, and I'm almost finished, but I'm going to just say something here. Talk about the nation being great. Make America great. I love America. Greatest place in the world to live. I'm an American and all, all for the United States. 100%. But I said to a friend of mine some years ago, I said, because we were talking about the different nations, and I said, America is the greatest place to live. And, and, and I do believe that. He said something that got my attention. He said, how can a nation be great that kills as many babies As we kill in the abortion clinics. How can a nation do that and be great? And it can't. There's nothing great about a nation that does that. How can a nation be great that takes God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, takes God out of the public square and out of the public school? How can a nation do that and be great? How can a nation change God's laws on marriage and be great? Someone said, make America great again. Someone said, America's always been great. 
But America will not be great until Roe versus Wade. I'm speaking now prophetically on behalf of Almighty God. So you can just take this however you want. But America will not be great again. And there is no negotiation on this. Roe versus Wade must be overturned. If you want the hand of God back on this nation, that's got to happen. There is no negotiation. There is no deal making. There is no deal cutting. That right there has to be overturned. Did you hear what I just said? Period. God must be put back in the public square. And marriage is for a man and a woman as a husband and a wife. Period. If you want the nation to be great again, those three things have to be done. And then you back Israel and you stand behind Israel, period. Did you hear what I just said? Now you get into that, I tell you what, you start flowing with that, the hand of God will come back on this nation like he, like, like, like he wants it, and then we'll be great. Did you hear what I just said? And by the way, while I'm on it, I'll just tell you this. The way this thing is set up, you talk about separation of church and state, I think that that is, is, is wise. Because all you have to do is look back in, and we've been studying about it on Wednesday nights, just look back when the church had control of everything, it, it became a mess. Because, you see, you get people in, in, in charge of the church that, that are corrupt, and then everything becomes a mess. But what, the way this nation is set up, yeah, separation of church and state, but you know who ought to be in the political offices in this nation? Christians ought to be in the political offices of this nation. Good, godly men and women. Can you say amen? amen? And if you could get good, godly men and women running, you know, for, for president and get them in as president and vice president and the cabinet and all the, all the different, different senators and the congressmen all the way down to the, to the school board president and the people on the school board, if those would be uh, uh, if you'd have Christians in those positions and they were they they they, they love the Lord and they and they, they nobody's perfect, but they, they 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 do what God said, you'd see this nation, the darkness would leave and, and the light would come again. Can you say amen? Did you get anything out of this today? Well, stand with me. Just bow your heads there as I begin to wind up this service, close it up. We talked about different kinds of sleep, Eutychus, Jonah, Samson. But let us not sleep the sleep of the disciples. I didn't say anything about that because I just wanted you to think about it right now. What was the sleep of the disciples? Peter, James, and John, think about them. Some of the most critical times of Jesus' ministry, they were sleeping or getting ready to go to sleep. Think about the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus was glorified and transfigured, you know, before him. The Bible says they were heavy with sleep. And this is just a word to the church, to this church and anybody else wants to listen, any other Christian. You know, God can move in the midst of darkness. And light, God is light, God is light, and light dispels darkness. And just when you think God can't move or won't move, He'll surprise you. And the disciples were heavy with sleep Right before one of the most glorious times of Jesus' ministry on the Mount of Transfiguration, heavy with sleep. Thank God they didn't go to sleep. They stayed awake and they got to witness the glory of God. Dear friends, don't go to sleep or you're going to miss the glory of God. Don't go to sleep or you're going to miss the glory of God. And then there was another time that we found them where they did go, go to sleep. When Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he told him, he said, watch and pray. And he went a bit away from him and he prayed to the Father. And he came back on three different occasions and he found them sleeping. They were sleeping when Jesus needed them to pray the most. They were sleeping when Jesus needed them to pray the most. 
They were sleeping when Jesus needed them most. Let's don't go to sleep and miss the glory of God. And whatever we do, let us not go to sleep. Because I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God, God needs us in this nation right now to pray. He needs us to pray. That's another sign of being awake spiritually is you're a person of prayer. One thing I'll tell you, guaranteed fact for sure, if you've gone to sleep spiritually, you're spending little to no time in prayer. You can take that as a self-test. If you're spending little to no time in the week praying, you've gone to sleep spiritually. All I can do is tell you, wake up. Wake up. But one sign that people, Christians, are awake spiritually is they're people of prayer. They're watching and praying. Don't sleep at a time like this. God needs us in this nation to pray. God wants to do some things in this nation. But he needs us to pray. Somebody said, why does God need us to pray? Because it's very clear God will do nothing in the earth except we give him an avenue to do so through prayer. Now, I'm telling you, God wants to do something. Yes, the judgment of God is pending on this nation. But God wants to do some things in this nation. But he needs an avenue to do so. And that avenue is prayer. So let's don't go to sleep at a time like this. Can you say amen? So with heads bowed and eyes closed, have you gone to sleep? If you have, wake yourself up. I can't preach it off of you. I can't pray it off of you. All I can do is make you aware of it, and then you've got to wake up. So if that's you, wake up. Get back to it. Find out what God wants you to do, and get back to it. Find out what God wants you to do, and get back to it. Find out what God wants you to do, if you don't already know, and then if you've gotten away from it, get back to it. Get back to it. Because if you don't, see, ultimately it will cost you. And so a word to the wise should be sufficient. Listen to what it is the Spirit of God saying to you. And get back to it. And things will go better for you. Things will flow the way they're supposed to, you see. Now, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never received Him, you need to do, do so before you leave here today. I beg you. Make Jesus the Lord of your life if you've never done it before you leave here today. Say, how do I do that? When I dismiss, all you got to do is walk up here to the front and say, hey, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And these people up here will pray with you. And in a moment of time, you can get born again. Miss hell, make heaven. And then Jesus will make your life worth living. And then you'll become a soldier in the army of the Lord. And then he'll give you an assignment. And then, uh, and, 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 and then, and then... And then you'll walk that out and you'll be a blessing to many. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God forevermore. Praise God forevermore. We're soldiers in the army of the Lord. Let's not be AWOL. Amen. So I'm going slow here. I want you to have plenty of time to judge yourself and think about these things. We're at a critical time. Critical time. It's time, high time, high time to wake up. And that goes for me too. All this stuff applies to me too. Well, if you need to come forward, you can. Otherwise, greet a couple of people. Say, I'm awake. How about you? And then you're dismissed. And then come back in about five minutes. We'll pick up with uh, prayer. If you can stay, we'd love to have you. You're dismissed.